In June 1830, Joseph Smith began his work of translating the Bible, restoring missing texts by revelation, and clarifying its doctrine. He would read from a King James Version of the Bible, and a scribe wrote the corrections and additions revealed to the prophet by the Holy Ghost. During this time, he also received the first chapter of Moses in the Pearl of Great Price, which revealed how Moses received revelation to write the first five books in the Bible. Most of Joseph's changes to the Bible were in the book of Genesis, but by 1833 he'd received over 3,000 verses. Almost two-thirds of the Doctrine and Covenants was received by then, and section 29 is the earliest section that appears to be directly linked to it. In September 1830, a few members gathered for the church's second conference at Peter Whitmer Sr.'s home in Fayette. They wanted to better understand Book of Mormon prophecies about the Latter-day Gathering of the House of Israel to bring forth and build Zion or the New Jerusalem and the Savior's second coming. Joseph had been reading in the Bible about the fall of Adam, and the saints had differing views about it. Hoping the Lord would help them understand it better, they asked Joseph about it, and he prayed and received section 29. The revelation begins with a command to listen to the voice of Jesus Christ, your Redeemer, whose arm of mercy hath atoned for your sins. The Lord promised to gather those who will hearken to his voice, humble themselves before him, and call upon him in mighty prayer, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. When a mother hen feels threatened, she calls her baby chicks, who quickly obey and come to her. She gathers them under her wings to protect them with her body, hoping they won't be seen, and offers herself as a sacrifice to preserve their lives. The Lord said that we were chosen out of the world to declare his gospel with the sound of rejoicing, as with the voice of a trump. He is our advocate, or someone who supports us or pleads our case with the Father, who gives us the kingdom by his good will. Because the Savior is in our midst, we should lift up our hearts and be glad. He said we'll receive whatsoever ye shall ask in faith, if we're united in prayer according to his command. And this section shows us how he reveals his beautiful gospel truths and knowledge to us, often beyond our original questions. In verse 7, the Lord said we're called to bring to pass the gathering of his elect, who hear his voice and harden not their hearts. Many at this time thought the elect were only a few that God had already chosen to receive his grace. But here the Savior taught us that all who repent and follow him will be gathered. While at this time of the church the saints began to gather physically in the United States, in our day this refers less to a specific location and more to being gathered to the knowledge of the Lord to prepare us and our hearts in all things against the day when tribulation and desolation are sent forth upon the wicked. Section 29 is one of several revelations that tell about the last days, the events leading up to the Savior's second coming, and his reign on the earth. He never tells us in the scriptures exactly when this will be, but only says that the hour is nigh and the day soon at hand. He said the earth is ripe, and all the proud and they that do wickedly shall be burned as stubble, and that wickedness shall not be upon the earth. 
The Lord said that he would reveal himself from heaven with power and great glory, with all the hosts thereof, referring to faithful saints who've lived in all periods of time on the earth and dwell in righteousness with men on earth a thousand years, while the wicked shall not stand. The Savior said that his twelve apostles in Jerusalem will stand at his right hand, clothed with robes of righteousness and crowns upon their heads, and judge the house of Israel, even as many as those who have loved and kept the Lord's commandments. We learn of signs that will happen before his second coming. The sun will be darkened, the moon will turn into blood, the stars will fall from heaven, and there will even be greater signs in heaven above and in the earth beneath. There will be weeping and wailing, and a great hailstorm will destroy the earth's crops. Because of the world's wickedness, the Lord will take vengeance upon those who do not repent. The cup of his indignation will be full, and his blood will not cleanse those who do not hear him. This vengeance includes some very graphic details in verses 18 through 20. The Lord referred to Ezekiel's prophecy that the great and abominable church, which are those who actively fight against the Lord and his church, shall be cast down by devouring fire, so abomination shall not reign. These judgments must come to pass to cleanse the earth and bring about God's work of bringing his children to immortality and eternal life. And we must prepare ourselves now to meet the Lord, whether at his second coming or by our own death before then. When the thousand years of the millennium end, men will begin again to deny God. The Lord said he will spare the earth for a little season. Then the old heaven and earth will be consumed and renewed to a celestialized heaven and earth. All God's workmanship on the earth will be resurrected to its perfect form, with not one hair being lost, including men, beasts, fowls, and fish. Before this happens, Michael the archangel, who is Adam, will sound his trump and awaken the dead. Their graves will be opened, and they'll come forth and be resurrected. Those who are righteous will be gathered on the Lord's right hand unto eternal life, while the wicked, who he will be ashamed to own before the Father, will gather on his left hand. He will tell them, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, where they are powerless to come to him because of their evil choices and misuse of agency. The Lord said that he first created all things spiritually and then temporally by the power of his Spirit, and that temporal things would eventually become spiritual things. Jesus worked both spiritual and temporal missions on the earth. He atoned for our sins to save all the Father's creation, and he also helped his fellow men and relieved their physical suffering. The Savior said that all things are spiritual unto him, and that he has never given us a temporal commandment. He gave Adam the agency to act of his own free will, but also gave him spiritual commandments. This is the first section in the Doctrine and Covenants that teaches us about agency, which is the ability and power to choose and act, eternal law and commandments that determine good and evil, knowledge of these commandments to choose and act upon, and Satan's opposition to our acting in obedience. We learn in verse 36 that Adam was tempted of the devil and about Satan's desire for power in the pre-mortal life, 
when he rebelled against God and said, Give me thine honor, which is my power. Satan was able to turn a third part of the hosts of heaven away from God because of their agency, possibly by telling them that their choices had no consequences, as we read about in the Antichrist in the Book of Mormon. They were then thrust down and became the devil and his angels to live in the place prepared for them called hell. The Lord said it must needs be that the devil should tempt us, or we could not be agents unto ourselves, and never know opposition such as the bitter from the sweet. Adam was tempted by the devil, partook of the forbidden fruit, transgressed the commandments, and became subject to his will. The Lord cast Adam out of his presence in the Garden of Eden because of this transgression, and he became temporal, mortal, and spiritually dead, or separated from God. Jesus Christ gave Adam and his seed the gift of not dying a temporal death until he sent angels to declare unto them repentance and redemption through faith on his name. God appointed unto man the days of his probation to repent and turn to the Savior, and by his natural death he might be raised in immortality unto eternal life. This plan ensured agency, justice, mercy, and redemption to all who choose to believe, and eternal damnation to all who choose not to believe or repent. The Revelation ends by telling us that little children are redeemed from the foundation of the world through God's only begotten Jesus Christ. Until they are capable of acting for themselves and become accountable, Heavenly Father restricts Satan's power to tempt them. We grow into free agents as we become accountable and able to act on our own knowledge of the Lord's commandments, of our own free will, and repent and turn to Him.